I am recording, it looks like. Is that correct? I'm almost... I'm recording. Hey, everybody. It's me. It's Sean Harwell. This is a Never Heard of a Podcast. Thank God, right? It's a podcast where we talk about the movies that have fallen through our cracks and yours all over the world. Of course, I'm joined again today by my right-hand Yakuza. Say hello, Craig Moorhead. Konnichiwa. Hey, if you haven't listened to the Tee Up, you should absolutely go do it for this one. It'll help a lot. And you can find all of those episodes on NeverHeardPodcast.com or where else? I mean, we talked about this last time. We're Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Stitcher, CastBox, all your favorite podcasting places. Google just launched a podcast app on Android. Mm. It's okay, but we're there too. I checked it out. We're there. Um, Come listen. And come say hello online. You can find us in all kinds of places, but uh, our own website will take you there. Oh, yeah. Uh, Craig, how are you? Sean, I'm fine. I'm a little <laughs> groggy. Yeah, okay. The heat's getting the to The heat you? and the humidity of the day uh, of, the, mm-hmm. of, of these last couple of weeks really just taking all the energy out of me. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm even in a basement, yeah. which is pretty cool, all yeah. things considered, but I feel like I could just lay down and go to sleep. Sean, how do you feel? I feel okay. I'm a little tired too. I saw, I saw 99 degrees on uh, on Monday, uh, wow. Sunday. Okay. Yeah, in the car thermometer in the Charlotte area. So uh, yeah, Those throw eggs. your eggs out on the street, fry them up, baby. Mm-hmm. It's that time of year. That's right. <laughs> that makes no sense. Mm. Uh, hey, Craig. Yeah. Before we get into today's movie, which is Battles Without Honor and Humanity, the 1973 Japanese Yakuza film. We've got lots to talk about in that one, but uh, I got to ask you the same thing I ask you this time in every full episode: What else hath ye watch it? You know what? In the past two weeks. Thank you. Wow, that was very fancy. Um, well, you know. You know, it's weird. Again, like I've only, I feel like I've only watched one full movie uh, in the last week, which just seems. Almost 1942's Casablanca. 1942's Casablanca. No, uh, I watched um, uh, Murder on the Orient Express, uh, the 2017. The, uh, Kenneth Branagh. That's one. right. Um, yeah, and 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 uh, man, there, there's so much about it that just is is really kind of up my alley, and that I really enjoy, and I really like a lot of the choices that he makes, um, making mm-hmm. movies and so on. I gotta say, still, uh, I don't know if it was fully the source material or not, but man, I get to the end and I just, whew, I don't know, everything kind of just deflated for me. But uh, so you're like, I'm about to, I'm about to murder all these people in this Orient mm-hmm, Express. Mm-hmm. But you know, I don't know, I don't know. It was a good cast. It was a really cool setting, and um, I don't know. I wish, I, I wish, uh, I wish the, I don't know. I wish the ending was a little tighter. Yeah. So that's what I watched. What did you watch this week? I, too, only got in one whole movie, and it was not Black Panther. Oh. That's still to come. Man. Still to come. It's like everywhere now. <laughs> I mean, you can't avoid it at this point. Well, I, um, I watched uh, just randomly, while well, I was washing dishes for the most part over two nights, watched the Frank Capra film, It Happened One Night, oh, 1934. Yeah. You seen that? Yeah, Gable, actually, Claudette, just recently Colbert. I watched that, yeah. What a good movie that yeah. is. I really liked it. You know, it's uh I, I felt like that is in some ways 
I mean, the prototypical romantic comedy in the sense that I, I felt there were parts that you could just take verbatim yeah. and just like change the background and the actors and it would absolutely work. And like, I could totally see it in a movie today. You yeah. know? Um, so I uh, enjoyed that. It's always nice to, uh, I feel like get a different side of Clark Gable a little bit too, versus my gone with the wind image of him, which is basically all I knew growing up. For sure. And uh, made me really feel like I got to see a lot more Capra than I've seen in my life. I need to do that because that guy, uh, he knew what the hell he was doing. He did. And, you know, actually about the Clark Gable thing, uh, I know, you're, like me, you watched a lot of cartoons when you were a kid. Sure. Do you feel like you've seen more references in, like, Looney Tunes cartoons to Clark Gable than you've actually seen Clark Gable movies? Is that a thing for, for you, sure. too? Okay. Yeah, like him and Peter Lorre, like yeah, absolutely. yeah, like, you know those two were like classic Looney Tunes staples. Yeah, um, yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but you're absolutely right. Yeah, um, but he's good. He's he's a very good actor. Absolutely. I enjoyed it. Uh, and then I I binged the hell out of the Staircase, this uh, Netflix docu series, which oh, I you know apologies to my friends, and I'm sure there was more than one of you who told me about this like five years ago, and I just never got around to watching it, but they. Uh, sort of like relaunched it basically because they've updated it with three new up episodes and it's super fascinating it does not paint the best picture of uh, Durham North Carolina no. <laughs> sadly at least the uh, judicial system there in some regards depending on uh, who you believe but uh, really really good um, docudrama that to compare it with some of the other things, you know, the serial, I mean, there's a ton of these true crime things out right now. Uh, this one focuses like heavily on the legal process, which I liked, you know, I hadn't seen one that kind of got right down into the nuts and bolts of, you know, putting up a defense sure. um, for a crime that you feel you did not and claim you did not commit. So if that appeals to you at all, definitely check it out. The staircase. Sounds good, man. Yeah. I, I, I gotta check out more stuff like that. Yeah, I don't, you know, I, I've, I don't know. I just, I got sucked into that one. I don't normally binge the way I binge that one, but I was out of town and flying on some planes and had time to do it. So there we go. Right and uh, hopefully in the next two weeks, uh, binge the hell out of Black Panther. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Right on. Um, Craig. Yeah. Battles Without Honor and Humanity. Aside from being an awesome title that we mentioned last time and everything that we talked about with this movie, we did not give a synopsis, so I'm going to do that today. Uh, this is courtesy of IMDb, as always. Uh, here we go. All right. During the violent chaos of post-war Japanese black market, a young gangster called Shozo Hirono has to keep up with the rapid shifts of power between unscrupulous bosses. Ah, uh, fair enough, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, directed by Kenji Fukasaku, written by Kazuo Kasahara, uh, based on the story and interviews from Koichi Ayoboshi Aibashi. Dang it, I was doing yep, so yep. good. You're perfect. Uh, you're only getting a couple actors out of me because we're going to have to talk about them. And uh, <laughs> right off the bat, they have like five different character names, some of these guys. Yeah. So it's going to, it can get really confusing. But basically, uh, Bunta Sugawa, Sugawara, uh, the lead actor, I guess you would say. Uh, you got Hiroki Matsukata and several others that we'll talk about, but names that, you know, if you're like Craig and I, and you're not extremely steeped in Japanese film, they're probably not going to mean that much to you anyway. But if right. you want to know more, again, 
check out that tee up. We did go down the list and get into it. Uh, Craig, mm. neither one of us had seen this movie. Um, I had not heard anything about it before we started our tee up. I don't recall if you had or not, but um, what did you think? This is a this is a big movie in a lot of ways, and uh, it's it's not a, an extremely long one, but there's a lot going on. Yeah. Um, how how did you do watching it? I love it. I love watching it. I love the fact that there's what like four more movies. Yeah, uh, at least in the series anyway, and then who knows? What's... A new trilogy too. Yeah. Uh, uh yeah, I, I really really liked it, and um, it's funny, you know, for for as uh, sort of deliberate and slow as The Godfather is, which came out like a year before this, mm-hmm. like this feels like if this feels like Godfather on speed, like. <laughs> It it At just least, yeah. doesn't ever. It just feels like it never stops, and and you're just jumping forward, and it covers like a span of like I don't know, ten, fifteen years or something, I guess. Um, yeah. and, and and yeah, in in ninety nine minutes, and it's just it's just a whole lot of story just packed in there. Um, uh, so I I enjoyed the hell out of it. What about you? Yeah, you know, I don't think there's a VCR that had like a like a fast forward button that went to the you know actual speed of this movie, so you couldn't <laughs> like literally fast forward The Godfather yeah. to match the speed of this. Uh, I'm with you. I mean, I I think this movie, I mean, there's a great movie in here. I mean, hands down. And uh, you know, my only problem was actually just keeping up with it. I mean, I'll be the first to admit, sure. like, I there's a moment where this you know, Bunta Sugawara, the character he plays, Shozo Hirono, he um, kind of exits the story a little bit, mm-hmm. or he at least takes a back burner. And I had trouble keep like at, at that point in the movie, which I think is around an hour mark or so. I was like, wait, wait, what? Hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah. I'm like barely keeping up as it is yeah. uh, with all the names and faces, and uh, it shifted then. So I, I struggled with that a little bit, and uh, will confess and fully admit, I rewatched the last half hour today oh, yeah. again and helped immensely. So um, I can't wait to watch it again. I definitely want to see at least some of the sequels, if not all of them, eventually. And as I think you mentioned on Facebook today, they're all right now on Amazon Prime, at least in this first set of five, uh, which is great. And I thought this one looked good as well. But yeah, I mean, like, I feel like if I was in Japan, right, and had seen this movie come out and then Goodfellas came out in what 1990, I'd been like, okay, yeah, well, that was pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I mean, there's so like, it's easy to look at The Godfather as well, but in some ways I felt uh, more overlap a little bit with Goodfellas. Yeah. And we'll get into some of that too. But uh, yeah, Craig, I mean, kind of just right out of the gate, you know, and again, I, I think we're going to struggle to just really cover the plot of this thing. Yeah. <laughs> At least I will. Um, but, you know, it. I, I think what I hope we get across here is just sort of like the style of this movie and, and what it's doing and, and really sort of like Kenji Fukusaka and, and everything that he's got up his sleeve as far as like how, what this movie feels like to watch it. But I, I do want to talk about the opening a little bit. Like it, it definitely, you know, you start with some interesting sort of like title screens and then you're getting uh, still photos of the bomb going off in Hiroshima and you find out this is taking place a year later, mm-hmm. 
Now, it, it is kind of confusing, and uh, I, I apologize. I don't remember someone else commenting on Facebook today about the music in this movie being like Batman music, and I'm sure they're talking about the Batman TV show because, like, over all this opening, there is like sort of like it's like seventies like swing rock, you know. It it's yeah. I don't know. There's probably a better way to describe that music, but it it definitely uh, is a bit you know sort of contradictory to the image of an atom bomb blowing up an entire area, right? Um, and you know they don't show necessarily extreme graphic horror in those images, but there's there's some there obviously, yeah. um, and so you know we're thrown right into it and you know i don't know exactly what the location is per se or or basically the situation of that location and maybe you have a better sense of it but it, it basically felt like well, this is where they've set up like this community for the survivors and it's been a year right and shit is rough like, you know, it's basically a camp for people to just try and, and wait out some sort of reconstruction so that they'll actually have, you know, a working city or place to live. Um, because there's American soldiers there, right? Yeah. There's MPs, but there's the sense that they're definitely not running things per se well yeah because, it seems uh, a little wild west it seems like yeah all these people have been kind of thrust into this area and you don't really know who's in charge but for sure there are a bunch of guys who are sort of vying to be in charge and this is one of the things i kind of liked about the movie but it was also kind of frustrating at the beginning is it does that thing that like every screenwriting teacher in the world will tell you not to do which is uh, don't introduce 90 people in the first three minutes. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and that's exactly what it does. Like, and like, oh, God, and yeah. every now and again, like, like the movie will just throw you like, okay, well, here's a freeze frame. Here's this guy's name. And, and, and here's the family he's in. All right, now we're on to the next thing. And like, and like, you're just plunged into this thing where, uh, what is it? These American soldiers are chasing this lady and they, uh, like just start raping her in the middle of this thing. Yeah. And then, uh, and our hero, right? I believe it's our hero, anyway. Is that right? Well, uh, what, I was mean, it Chozo who, who in that jumps moment. in there? And yeah. Him off? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So and so, there's all this like scuffling going on, and like uh, then there are yakuza, you know, facing each other down in the middle of this uh, thing where you know, like, uh, who is it? Somebody's on Doi's turf. I don't know. I mean, that, that's yeah. the thing. Like, now, there was so yeah. much going on at the beginning, and it's and there's so many faces everywhere. Like, you're just in these crowds of people in this camp, and so it's like, uh, yeah, it's 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 super intense, and like, there's tons of action going on. There's a lot of uh, 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 arm chopping happening, and <laughs> yes, just just jets of blood everywhere. Like, oh, so for, for that to be happening so fast and so soon in the movie is really startling. Like, I thought we were going to ease into it a little bit. Um, no. But no. I mean, it, it's unbelievable. And, you know, that's why, I mean, I kind of wanted to get, like, some of that context out there. And we talked a little bit about that in the tee-up, which is sort of the background of the Yakuza and sort of, like, their relationship with the American military. And it comes up again later in the movie at the start of the Korean War. But... I mean, for that opening, it's it's just straight chaos. 
And I mean, to the point where I half wonder, like, even if I could read Japanese, those titles of the people's name, like they're so quick. Like yeah. <laughs> I had trouble reading them yeah. because they, they, they pop up so quickly. This is so-and-so and he's like the underboss of this family. And I was just like, it's just hard to keep up. And it almost, it almost doesn't matter to the sense that it's more important. I think to just take away like exactly what you're saying. Like, I can't believe what I'm seeing and I can't believe like what I'm feeling from this and the feeling is chaos and that this is like the wild west and it's absolutely every man for himself. Um, yeah, I think, you know, if there is sort of plot to extrapolate from that, it is that, yeah. Shozo, who I, I think you're right, does sort of, well, I think he pulls off one of the military police, but then, I don't know, like, people get shot and killed. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like somebody got killed in that moment, too, but I'm not positive. Anyway, but um, you get the sense that he sort of is not affiliated with any sort of criminal element at this moment. Right. Um, but there are these two, at least, families of Yakuza that, and that's really interesting, too. You know, it's one of these situations where, you know, it's happened in the you know, more recent history where, you know, somebody goes in during war and, you know, conquers a place and then just throws all the people together without sort of any sort of lines of separation or, you know, caring at all about the fact that there may be factions amongst those people that hate each other right. and are trying to kill each other, right? And so, yeah, I, I think there's the Yamamori family and the Doi family. So those are the two big families, at least for part of this movie. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a madhouse. I'm not sure who cut off whose arm. Uh, no. <laughs> I think maybe, yeah, I think maybe that was the Doi family, but there were two guys that got brought in. They cut off one dude's arm and they cut off the other dude's arm. It's fantastic. But it um, barely matters anyway. Because I, I guess it barely matters. Yeah. Like, there's a bar, right? And then there's like, uh, you know, Americans that roll in a bar with Japanese women, and it's clear that, that that's not. Uh, a very cool thing right in this uh environment although the, the a lot of people aren't you know able to to speak up about that but then i think the americans get i don't know they come back get they go out and come back in bloody and then there's another dude who comes in and like his head is massively bleeding yeah and it, it seems like the only plan is to pour some sake on, yeah. <laughs> on it and it was just just awful <laughs> but i honestly like i can't tell you how at least from memory, Shozo ends up in prison. Oh, right? I can tell you how. Okay, tell me, because I got lost there. Okay, let me break it down. So so as far, as I remember it, so the guy comes in, he's got this massive head wound, right? Yes. And and this is just my my feelings on what was going on is that Shozo needs an in. He wants to get in with a family, basically. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know if he looking. cares which one. Right, he's 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 just trying to like make his way. So, the guy comes in with a head wound, and then there are all these guys who are like they know who did it. It's this drunk, I think maybe Doi family member. Is that what it was? Probably because uh, that would make sense as far as yeah his allegiance. Something like that. On, but good. Right. So so and and so then these guys are like, oh, we're gonna take him on, and then, uh, but they all seem kind of nervous about it. And Shozo's like, I'll uh I'll do it. You know, show me where he is. 
I mean, I'm totally paraphrasing, obviously. And then mm-hmm. Shozo, so th- so they go over there, and uh, the guy, the drunk guy, gets up. He's got a sword, I think, and he's like swinging it around. Uh, Shozo ends up shooting him, killing him, and going to prison. Okay. So yeah, so he did a good thing, but he also did a bad thing because killing people is not the, okay, Sean. Well, yeah, yeah, but there's a lot of it going on in this there environment. Is. Uh, was the prison on the same location as the camp? Uh, whew, I have no idea. <laughs> okay, I mean, because, it, yeah, this all happens so fast. Right. And, like, yeah, he's in prison. And, again, like, you're not kidding when you say the frame is filled to the brim with people in this movie. Yeah. And that just can, like, there is, you could probably count the number of, like, singles or two shots in this movie yeah. on, like, both of your hands and that's it yeah (laughs) there are so many people in in the frame and it's great i love that about it but yeah i clocked it we're 11 minutes in and we're in this prison and they you know bring the guys in to eat basically you can tell they're starving because they're like dying to get in there right yeah and one of them's like this is bullshit this is not our ration of rice that we were promised and there's a near prison riot in this. I was like, oh, my like God. Immediately. Like this movie is yeah. unstoppable. Yeah. But um, I think the guy that sort of stood up against this and uh, went after attacking the guards was um, Suka. What is that? Oh, man. You can do it. Suka Gawara. Is that his last sure. name? Sure. Okay. Because, like, again, I'm, I'm looking through the cast list here. And it's they called the, these people different names throughout the movies. So I don't even see his name listed yeah. in the credits. But uh, he gets thrown into a cell with Shozo, right? Yeah. Our hero. And the next thing we know, we see them in there. And he tells uh, Shozo, maybe his name is Hiroshi. They call him Hiroshi at a certain point, don't they? This guy, Sukobu. I don't I think so. But yeah, I mean, you're so, right. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, I cannot find him. Anyway, his plan is to commit Harikari, but not, but not so much that he dies because that'll get him out of the prison because they don't have doctors there to patch him up uh, in the prison. And if, uh, if Shozo will kind of keep an eye on him... <laughs> And call the guards when the time is right and make sure he says, you know, if I if I screw up the cut and it looks like I'm just going to die, just what does he say? Just strangle me. Yeah. <laughs> just kill me. I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, again, 12 minutes into this movie and like all of this has happened. Oh, yeah. Um, But it's great. Like, it, you know, I mean, it's bloody as hell. He's writhing around the floor bleeding. He's like vomits, I think. And, you know, Shozo is freaking out, and he's, you know, suicide, you know, there's a suicide in here. And uh, I think that's, I don't remember if there's a freeze frame there. There's a lot of freeze frames in this movie. I loved, like, 99% of them. Um, But we cut out of that, and he's getting out of jail. And the boss has sort of put up the bill, and that was also kind of the the deal is, you know, we, we know that this guy that's been his cellmate is part of a family in a Yakuza. And um, so they show up. Uh, and that is Doi family, correct? Uh, yeah, I, I think I misspoke before about him killing somebody in the Doi family because, yeah, he he becomes well, sworn so, brothers yeah. with uh, 
with yeah hiroshi is doi so yeah okay well yeah but um you know later on shozo does not end up with the doi anyway no well yamamori puts (laughs) up the bail for okay shozo at that point okay yeah it's so yeah like it did none of the yeah like I think it's one of these movies like absolutely you just got to watch twice to, to get all of this shit. Well, and it makes um, me wonder too is in Japan, was this stuff just sort of known? Like were these sort of families kind of known? Was there already a, like a lot of background that had already been covered? And, you know, you mentioned somebody's name and it's like, oh yeah. It's like those guys. Oh, the doi. Oh yeah, yeah I don't know. You know, like was that something you are, you knew? But anyway, yeah, I, don't, I mean, obviously, you know, the source material was an interview with a guy, Yakuza boss, that was in jail. And so I, I don't know that they use the exact names of the families, yeah, but I. I, I'm sure there's at least some, you know, very serious cultural awareness of those type of families. Yeah. So that, um, yeah, they could probably they can probably keep up better than we can, I'm guessing. Yeah. <laughs> Just a guess. Um yeah, but and so that's it. I mean, that's kind of where we leave that camp and that prison. And you know, a lot of the movie that follows I kind of felt like, it, you know, thematically at least, like yeah, that that synopsis wasn't bad. Like it's it's really about and I think we've seen this before in the West and and, and in these mob movies. Like it's about trust and sort of the loyalty and the lines between the families. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of, will the younger generation, you know, usurp the older boss? And right. at what point does loyalty seem like a, an, an out-of-date plan that could get you killed? Right. <laughs> um, and and I, I thought all that stuff was fascinating. And, you know, Shozo is sort of because he's new to this in a way, but also because he's proven himself to be a bit of muscle. Um, You know, his, his code is a little bit different. He kind of comes in and I think he's a bit naive to the whole thing. And he is sort of blindly loyal for a while. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, you know, we know how these movies play out. It, It doesn't, end up that way right Right. um he has all of that questioned and uh i don't know man it it takes a while to kind of get into it but there's so many moments where you know he's with this sort of new family and of course it's all men and there's poker games and there's fights at the poker games and (laughs) oh yeah and i mean i'm still go ahead go ahead i was gonna say let's talk about that because, yeah, okay, there's a yeah. gambling den where yeah. uh, Shozo, or I guess, should we call him Shozo or Hirono? Anyway. Either one. Uh, I'm going to call him Shozo because that's okay. the only thing I'm going to remember. And I'm I'm yeah, getting older. I like that name too. That's all. No, but uh, but Shozo gets in a fight uh, with a fellow by the name of Toru Ueda. I think it's Ueda, yeah. Ueda. Anyway, that's bad. And... Mm-hmm. He has to uh, make a, an apology to uh, Okubo, who is a relative of Ueda's. The apology is, unless I'm wrong, wait, wait, wait. The apology is that he's to cut his finger off, right? Well, yeah, he, uh, I think he volunteers to cut his finger off, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, he volunteers to cut his finger off. Like he says he's going to do it. And so then there's this whole scene 
where like Yamamori's wife is is like like telling him the right way to cut his finger off and like everyone's gathered yeah, around they have a cutting board but the best <laughs> thing is he chops the finger off and then no one can find the finger like he like he, yep. he like chops up he's like ah he's screaming they're catching him and they're like wait where's the finger yeah. <laughs> and yes there's this mad scrabble to find the finger it's like it's super funny like i love that like yes. stuff like that would just come out of nowhere um and the punchline is the finger ends up in the chicken coop which that just killed me <laughs> so oh yeah yeah <laughs> like hey i don't know how it would have ended up all the way over there but like it, it just matter. shot it off was, as soon as he <laughs> yeah and uh like i get like just to take a second because that is such a great scene um you're right i mean there's so many ways that you could have done that and not had all those people around but yeah. god you would have lost a lot i mean and again like just looking at the staging of it and how you shot it and packing all those people in the frame but in a way where it's it still felt like Shozo's right at the center of it. You're not losing anything uh, from his performance yeah. uh, because you're not in a close-up on his eyes or anything like that. Uh, it, it's just great. Like that scene, oh, man, it, it killed me. Um, I really liked it. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, there was another one where I, I didn't quite understand it, but it made me laugh. And I, I probably shouldn't laugh because there may be some sort of like cultural significance to it. <laughs> but you've got all these guys and it, you know, they're basically the, the underlings of the, the family, you know, they're all sort of on the same level as, as Shozo. And I don't know if it was supposed to be like a pledge per se, but they, they all toast uh, cups of sake. Oh, right. And they drink in unison and then silently put their cups in their jackets. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, I was like, this, I, I'm just in a different world here and I love it. And well, yeah, cause that's uh, their, if, that's their way of, of yeah, joining, joining on with the family, right? They, so they yeah. The cups and their cup is the symbol that they're a part of the family. Right. Because towards the end of the movie, he pulls out that cup and breaks it, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. And I was like, oh, yeah, the sake cups. Woo yeah, I, was, yeah. I was wondering been if there all this really time. been in there. <laughs> just hanging out in his jacket. Because, I mean, you're going to be drinking a lot of sake throughout the day. So, you, oh, just pull yeah. it, you know, there's no sense in dirtying up all those dishes. Right. You just pull it out every now and then. Uh, it was great. But. Um, I don't know. You know, there's a lot of back and forth about the Doi family. We find out that there's a politician, I believe, running for office, and there's some plan uh, to sort of influence the vote from the Yamamori family about taking on the Doi, and there is that sort of riot in the polling place. <laughs> Again, And that was just like, that was not like a violent thing. Right. But it, it seemed like just people that were voting and contesting the election and everything. I mean, but again, yeah. it's just like, there, anytime there's at least six people on screen in this movie, the chances are extremely high that there will be shouting and violence. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I don't know, like I was thinking about it, and, and in a way that's sort of, it's so the antithesis of what I think about Japan now. I think of it as this extremely quiet place, and yet uh, politeness sort of rules the day. You know, yeah. and, uh, you know, I just don't think about like, this sort of level of engagement by everybody just being up in everybody's face and the extreme short tempers. And I don't know. I, I mean, maybe that's just a reflection of like this sort of like post-war 
society where they're scrapping to to kind of rebuild themselves yeah uh, well, i think it is fascinating think, you know it, it is yeah like you're saying like it, it's a very the whole movie it's a very claustrophobic feeling i mean no one's ever really alone yeah uh, almost at all no. so yeah, yeah i mean there's just there's no room to be alone um and, and there's yeah. also and maybe this goes in hand in hand with some of this is for a movie about mobsters there is an extremely masculine movie, right? Yeah. There's a shit ton of weeping in it. There's a lot of crying by these dudes just oh, man. openly. Yeah. Right? And Yamamori is like the king of it. He's the king of it. And by the end of it, I kind of was swayed to the fact that uh, some of that was just done out of manipulation, I think, on his part. Maybe not, but he played that card a lot. Yeah. And it usually got him some version of a uh, of a compromise, at least, of, of what he wanted from people. And, uh, you know, I guess that's a tactic. Sure. Cry more. Yeah, it um, seems to work out. Well, you, you said something that made me think of a moment where we do see two people alone. And uh, that is when... And I may have my sequence of events wrong. Nope, I got it written down here. Okay. I think following that election, things maybe didn't go the way that the Yamamori family had planned, perhaps. Right. Again, I, I, I'm vague on the details because that's that's where I am with this movie at this point. At any rate, Shozo basically has been tasked with Killing a man by the name of Kato, I think. Yep. Okay. And he knows that doing that will have serious ramifications because and he will probably Kato's have to disappear. Right. Kato's a boss. He's going to have to disappear. Um, is Kato, is that the same guy as Doi? No. I don't know. Okay. No, because, as, because Doi wants to unite with Kato. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. I think. One of these days. Right. <laughs> I, I swear to God, I, I looked and I do think there's a Blu-ray package of these movies that comes with a literal family tree for this movie. And <laughs> like it, would, it would be so useful. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Uh, anyway. Uh, so, you know, basically, at this point, shows those that, you know, ascended to a level where he can be trusted with doing this very delicate task and knowing that he's going to have to do it. He's going to have to keep his mouth shut. He's going to have to disappear for a while, right? Right. And so prior to that, the evening before, we kind of just cut from this assignment that he's been given to him on top of another woman and massive tattoo of a fish on his back. Oh, yeah. Which, you know, I don't know. I still feel like a, you know, that's not something you see every day in a movie, like somebody like that tattoo. But it felt like. Uh, I was like, man, that, that, I wonder how hard that was to do back then. Yeah. Just make that look fake. But it, it looks amazing. But uh, it's an uncomfortable scene. <laughs> she is consensual, but there's a moment where she's like, please be more gentle. And right. he's like, I've got no time. And I was just like, oh, holy shit. Like, this is, uh, it was intense, but yeah. uh, but a different kind of intense than, uh, say, Blue Steel. Right. Crazy sex. You know? Yes. Um. But after this, I felt like probably uh, a scene that I, I maybe thought of the Godfather the most is when he does find Kato and attacks him. And 
Yeah. Uh, I don't remember exactly the scene in The Godfather. Well, I guess, yes, actually, it's when Brando shot, if I'm not mistaken. Um, like, there's a, you know, it, Cato's getting out of a car, and um, uh, Shozo just rolls up on him and blasts oh, right. him. It's pouring down rain. But instead of just blasting him and running away, no, 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 no. Not in this movie. It does, it, it does not function that way in this movie. This is a right. great example. Um, Cato is not dead, and he's crawling away, and Shozo just kind of continues to shoot his ass halfway down the street. Yeah, and, just running after him. Yeah. I mean, there's probably six, seven gunshots at least that he plugs into this guy. And this is another scene where it's like, I don't know, you, you thinking about it, like setting it in America or even like doing it today, I had this thought where Cato's not alone. He's got a couple of his guys with him, but they seem kind of helpless. And I think that has to do with the fact that, and it's true in this movie, that not everybody has a fucking gun, right? Yeah. And... You know, that, that makes difference because like in, in in The Godfather or in something else, that would just be a shootout immediately, right? Yeah. And here it's not. And I, I kind of, I don't know, I kind of liked that, you know? Oh, absolutely. Because, I mean, it, yeah, did, it, just, it did make me wonder because, I mean, later guns are not in short supply at all. No, but, I mean, people have got them. They're there right. for sure, but it's but not. generally guys not are just angry. not carrying guns. Yeah, Definitely by the end of it, yeah, I think in, in relation to another character, I, I wondered that myself. Um, but it's it's a great scene. I liked that. Um, but yeah, he has to go and hide. And um, there's a moment where a gentleman by the name of Kanbata, mm -hmm. who's already been somewhat ousted from the family because of rolling over uh, when he got attacked, if I'm not mistaken, by the rival gang. He shows up to Shozo and is like, the boss sent me. Um, I'm supposed to come get you. I can't remember what the, the, the excuse was exactly, but you know, Shozo was definitely you know, hesitant to trust him. Yeah. Like, how the hell would I know your address if he hadn't sent me? You know, Nobody else knows where you're hiding out. Um, and you get this great sequence where they're driving through what looks like a tunnel, right? Um, but a very narrow one at that. Yeah. It's like definitely not wide enough to fit two lanes of traffic. It's like a one way. And the car stops and Kanbara is like working under the hood or whatever. And then another car comes up behind them and Shozo quickly realizes that uh, Kanbara has split and the people in the car behind him are after him. And he goes running. And I think you get another great freeze frame in that moment. Yeah. Um, but that turned out to be the cops, right? Yes. Because he's sent to prison, correct? Is that when... Yeah, well... Yeah. Yeah, that would be when he's sent to prison. I like this. I like the stumbling that we're doing. Um, <laughs> well, I know. It's tough to, f to figure... I mean, it doesn't quite matter Yeah. for the purpose of this, I think. But I guess... Um, let me ask you this. Okay. That moment in particular, why, why would Shozo trust Kenbara at all? Because uh, as far as I know, Kambara is Doi now. So like, why would Yamamori send him or you yeah. know, how or why? Like, I, I guess that, that, I mean, for a movie that I could not keep up with, 
that I was just breathlessly <laughs> was the chasing the yeah. entire time. Like that moment, I was kind of like, but I mean, that, that seems like way too fishy. Yeah, for you to trust like especially. I don't have a out. I don't have a good answer. Yeah, I mean there was he did a lot of talking there, so I don't know if there was something that he said that maybe we missed. Uh, more importantly, I just I liked how that tunnel scene was shot. I thought the it was tunnel cool. scene was great because he looks up. <laughs> yeah, because thing the car the car comes up from behind in the tunnel and he looks up yeah. for Kambara and all that's sitting there like the the flashlights just the sitting flashlight, on the hood. Yeah, and you're just like, oh god, he's he's done for. Kambara, you dickhead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Love it. Don't worry, Kanbara gets his. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think it was around that moment where Shozo does sort of take a back seat to the plot. And that's where I got I got caught up a little bit as far as uh, not knowing even more so what was, what was going on and who was who. But also shortly thereafter this, I think, um, was the... And it may have been in that opening, but... As far as um, one of the stylistic choices that I loved and you know, kind of really rears its head in, in this last half of the movie was, uh, you know, as I mentioned, Kanbara, uh, he gets his. You know, I, I think I'm assuming Yamamoro family finds out that they that he sold out uh, Shozo. And uh, when Kanbara dies, we get a beautiful freeze frame and some titles that say his name and the date. And that he died. It's like a like an yeah. on-screen obituary. And uh, again, on Facebook, that's when the person was like, "Oh, that, mentioned that's like the people die and the Batman music comes on." Right. <laughs> it's just hilarious because it is such. Yeah. And like this happens. Oh man, like maybe seven or eight more times in the oh, movie. Yeah. yeah, nobody dies after that, and to the point where later on, it's not even the death. Like there's one point where it's like. Uh, Doy man injured, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and uh, had the date and everything. I love that. Yeah, like just made me Doy man, so Doy man yeah. gets an actual freeze frame, like just a yeah, Doy guy. Yeah. Well, that was so great. Like I don't know if that was meant to be kind of tongue in cheek or not, but it it sort of feels that way. Yeah. Um, but I I really liked it, and uh, so uh, after that, you also have a very major plot point where um, Hiroshi which is, uh, I keep calling him Sugagawa because I thought that was his name at, at a certain point. The man that Shozu formed the bond with in the very early prison cell, Mr. Uh, Harikari himself, mm-hmm. he is hiding out at his mistress's house, and they are planning to hit the road the next morning. In fact, I think he's visited Shozo in prison and said, you know, he's got to go on a little trip, but uh, when he gets back, he's going to, you know, help take care of him, blah, 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 blah. Um, and so, unfortunately, they hear a dog bark, and it's late at night, and they know people are coming, and so the mistress has her lover hide. Mm-hmm. And do you remember where he hid, Craig? Amongst children. Under the sheets amongst her three, at least three, sleeping children. Yeah. And, you know, on the surface, yeah, it's a questionable place to hide, but, you know, maybe not a terrible place to hide. Right. But the cops show up, and they're like, we know he's here. They go looking for him. And she's like, there's just my children in there. There's a moment of pause. The lead cop walks over, pulls those quilts back. Hiroshi sits up, and if I'm not mistaken... He smiles, 
and unloads the gun on those guys with those kids sleeping there right oh, yeah. beside him. And, right uh, beside him. Well, let me ask you this amazing. before we go further with that sequence. Okay. I'm wondering if you're like me at all. I was absolutely positive they'd pull the covers back and he wouldn't be there. Oh, really? And I don't know I don't why. Know. Just like yeah. a knee-jerk reveal like that I just sensed was coming. Yeah, yeah, it could have been. I think, uh, you know, in the world of this movie, it, you know, this was the most obvious <laughs> sensible choice oh, yeah. to fit in consistently with the other uh, maniacal chaos of this. But yeah, well, and so I don't think blows... that anyone in the movie is really smart. Like, not no. really. And I feel like you're kind of, the movie is kind of generally making fun of people. Not, maybe not fun of people, but finding the humor in the fact that, like, there's a lot of ego and there's a lot of uh, aggression and all this stuff, but very little of it is very smart. Well, and when you get right down to even it. beyond that, uh, you know, statistic, you know, not statistic, strategically, there are some smart moves. I mm-hmm. guess you could say there's some tricky, clever moves by the various parties, but ultimately, it, it ends up being kind of pointless. I think you know the well, movie yeah. is kind of saying you know, and Shozo himself by the end of this, well, like there's no point to any of this. We're all this just ends up in death. Like none of us are getting ahead. You know. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I think is so cool about the fact that it moves so fast. Yeah. Is that whenever someone makes a clever move and comes out on top, they're never on top for very long. No, it's oh, like God, it's like no. six more minutes, and then they're getting they're taking bullets. Yeah, like Kanbara. I mean, yeah, yeah. like immediately. Yeah, <laughs> he's killed, and uh, and this guy too. You know, he blows away a cop, and and you know maybe shoots another one, but he makes a break for it, and of course he doesn't get out of there alive. You know, right. he gets shot and falls out a window. Um, <laughs> And I think we could probably only assume the mistress uh, is not in for a good time either um, following that. Uh, but yeah, he dies. He gets the obituary on screen treatment. Yeah. Um, Love that scene. So good. Uh, it was also after this then that we do shift ahead a little bit. And they mentioned the Korean War starts. They used some of those still photos that they did early on with some bombs dropping. And... I swear to God, like, I completely missed this the first time, but watching it again today, and I even had to pause it so I could write it down because it's happening so quickly. Um, they slip in a little thing about how the Yamamori family got a contract loading ammunition for the U.S. military during the war. Oh, really? And uh, yeah. yeah, I know. And it's just, it's just, you know, stuck in there. Uh, for a split second, there's really nothing uh, that oh, comes of that right. later yeah, yeah, on. Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, you know, again, like in the TF, we talked a little bit about, like, the Americans, um, you know, using the Yakuza in their fight against communism and striking up these sort of, like, scrupulously uh, immoral deals. Um, But also, after this, too, is the introduction of drugs into this world. And I think, you know, it it was kind of interesting just seeing this in Japan, where certainly... um, you know, that comes up in The Godfather and, and I think Goodfellas as well, you know, is sort of they're pushing this drug called Philippon, which I wondered if that's just a different word for heroin, perhaps. It's definitely. Well, it's a methamphetamine. So it's basically. Okay. Meth. Yeah. OK. OK. Well, it's something that they're definitely taking uh, via syringe. Um, but like some of the family has started dealing it and you get the introduction of a character named Tatsuya Sakai who frequents, uh, well, is frequently seen wearing sunglasses, 
which is probably our only real indication of who he is. Right. Because I, I don't remember him appearing in this movie prior to that. But he, he was. Was he? Uh, yeah, he was. Where? And, and, okay. and like, well, you saw him for a second. Where okay. was it? Um, as I remember anyway, yeah, you saw him because he was, he was also wearing sunglasses then. And then like right after you saw him, like he was, he was taken off. Like he was like, yeah. like that was, yeah, it was mentioned that they, so, so he disappeared. Yeah. Now it's, it's however many years later, four or five years later, he's a captain now for Yamamori. Yeah. Right. So that's it's like yeah. Game so of Thrones, like an there. entire season in one ninety nine. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, like this whole movie for the most part we've been following Shozo, but now it's sort of okay, Shozo's in prison, but yeah, Sakai, the the captain, is kind of the young boss of well, the underboss of this family and is sort of creating a faction uh within the family, um uh against another guy named Shinkai. And a lot of it just has to do with the cut of money that they're receiving from their boss. And some of the guys want to split it equally, and some of the other ones don't. They want the boss to keep his share high so that he remains more of a strong figurehead, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And so there's some disagreement there, and that does sort of end up creating a rift that, of course, leads to violence. Um, There is a plot... Uh, to use Shinkai to reconstruct the Doi family, which I think has weakened over time, and then build them up to then take on the uh, Yamamoro family, which they presume will be headed by Sakai at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's what I understood. There is the discovery that uh, by Sakai, who's very much against dealing drugs, that... Uh, Yamamori has been doing it for some time now secretively because right. the family's finances are not in great shapes. Craig, the term palanquin gets tossed at the boss, uh, Yamamoro, by uh, Sakai. Yeah. Uh, do, do you know that word? It's a cool word. <laughs> uh, I did not know that word, okay. but I know it now thanks to movies. Yeah. This is what movies can do for you. You can build your can, vocabulary, right? They can totally build your vocabulary. Uh, <laughs> but here's why we the, should just show them the kids. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, here, here's the uh, official uh, definition oh, of good. a palanquin: a covered litter for one passenger, consisting of a large box carried on two horizontal poles by four or six bearers. Huh. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I kind of. I mean, in some ways, I don't know. Maybe, yeah, that's the guy who's just. Uh, not doing any of the heavy lifting, per right. se. Like someone who's doing nothing but, yeah, being carried yes. by everyone else. Well, at any rate, I think that is what our understanding of Sakai's criticism of Yamamoro is to be. Yeah. Um, now, I thought it was kind of funny, and I, I liked this aspect of the movie. She's really the only female role to speak of, but it was Mrs. Mm-hmm. Yamamori, yeah. um, played by Toshi Kimura, who she is frequently present in the scenes with her boss and her boss's dudes. Right. And after this particular scene where Sakai has just thrown this horrible palaquin <laughs> word at her husband, she yeah. rips into him, the husband, for not yelling at Sakai because it's all about respect and honor. You're going to lose their respect. And... Of course, the boss being the boss, he's already thinking two steps ahead, and he says, 
watch. They're young. They're going to kill each other over all of this. Right. And uh, it'll have nothing to do with me, and I'll be better off for it. And that is kind of what follows. And um, I don't know, watching that, that sequence again, I kind of appreciated because, again, it, it made me feel like this boss who we've seen cry like five, six times by that point of the movie. Yeah, he's smarter than he's letting on, you know, with the yeah. drugs and like he knows kind of how this is going to play out or he thinks he does. And I like that. And in a short succession, yeah, you get um, the guy who... Now, am, it, was Ueda his son? Or... Wow, no, I don't know. Okay. Um, anyway, the guy that started the, the gambling den fight, basically, Ueda, who is, you know, he, he's definitely at, at the upper echelon of people underneath Yamamoro. He gets hosed at a barber shop. And this right. comes after having a phone call the night before uh, about having a conversation with the boss following his haircut. And then right after that phone call, you see Boss Yamamoro start to make another phone call, and you know what the fuck he's doing. Uh, he's getting this dude killed. Uh, again, you just got to tip my hat to these death scenes. I thought they were great. I mean, in that one in particular, it's like he gets shot and like his body, of course, like swivels in this barber's chair and the guy grabs a chair and swivels it back around, shoots him again like He's six shooting. more times. Yeah, These guys oh, don't man. really believe in a lot of headshots. They like yeah, the body shots. They like to waste those bullets. Yeah. There was a, there, I think Conboro maybe got a headshot. Maybe in the back. Oh, of yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I don't, there was one or two, but yeah. Yeah, you're right. For the most part, I hadn't even thought about that, but they, they definitely, they aim for the boss, for the body, excuse me. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, oh, shoot, sorry, where'd I go? You're right here. Oh, I am here. Hi, oh, Sean. I was looking, uh, oh. yeah, I think it was after that, though, but then you get the uh, Shinkai man died, and then Shinkai man seriously injured. Two former Doe men died. That's why I loved that one too, because it was like they weren't even current. Yeah. <laughs> They're just former dudes. It was just like straight chaos, that whole sequence there. Um, there's a, the, that drug dealer guy shoots a cop and makes a break for it. His car flips over and then he gets arrested. His head's all bleeding. It was a Rita. Uh, the Shinkai character gets knifed and gutted at the train station by two dudes like in uniforms. And, uh, it was after that they said that that kind of ended this war between the two factions under Yamamoro and that the Sakai character won that battle. Yeah. And it's also around this time that Shozo, remember him? Uh, the guy that we were watching in the whole like first hour of the movie? He, get, he gets let out of prison on parole, right? And so Yamamoro and his wife show up to greet him and show their appreciation for him doing his time and for taking out uh, Kato. Um, and the boss lays it out pretty clear that uh, Tetsuya Sakai is setting up his own company, this like le thing that's supposed to be legit. I don't know. There was like a lot of talk about harbor and trading, and I don't know what these guys are doing. They're just trying sure. to like have some like legit revenue, obviously. And uh, he he's trying to take over the family and shake Yamamoro loose. Uh, it violates the Yakuza code. I absolutely loved this moment, Craig. Um, Shozo sitting down at a restaurant with Yamamoro and his wife. Yamamoro says, we have to kill Sakai. I need you to do it. I'll put you on payroll. There's not any money. 
but you can have a monthly salary. And here's your first month. The wife hands him an envelope. And then <laughs> Yamamura was like, uh, we have some meetings. Uh, you just take care of all this food with that money we just gave you, and uh, we'll see you later. <laughs> and they split. I, yeah. I couldn't believe it. was so hilarious. No, he's terrible. And, and, and yeah. I, we, we, we kind of neglected to mention something. And this is, as we got closer to the end, uh, a lot of stuff started paying off for me because yeah. I realized I had actually absorbed some of what had happened. Mm -hmm. And so earlier, I don't think we said this, so earlier when uh, when Yamamori um, talks uh, Shozo into killing whom? Uh, Kato. Kato. When he talks him into killing Kato, he says, "If you do this, oh yeah, when you get out of prison, everything I have is yours. Like I'm just basically, yep. I'll just give it. I'll give everything to you, everything yeah. to you." And now we have this worst. moment. He's got nothing. <laughs> He's got yeah. nothing. He's not going to give him anything. He's asking him to kill somebody else. Uh, Sakai, of all people. And then giving him, yeah, a crap salary and telling him to pay for the stuff. Like, it's... <laughs> it's so, and I don't yeah. even... I don't even know if we're to believe that either. Like, uh, you know, for all I know, this dude's got all kinds of money just, like, stashed somewhere. And he's just I'm sure he this, does. It's much of a shit. <laughs> he seems to be able to manipulate people with the crying and all that stuff. And sort yeah. of... Yeah, playing things off like this. Yeah, no, he's totally manipulating everyone and, mm -hmm. and, and doing his best to not put himself in harm's way. Right. right? He doesn't he doesn't do anything. He is totally a palanquin. Uh he is such you know a what palanquin, I mean? like, dude. Yeah. But but that's I guess of that course. is the way in which he is smart is you know Yeah. people if, if he can continue to convince people to do things for him, then he's he'll be fine. Right. So all this is setting up, you know, a bit of a showdown between Shozo and Sakai, but it is it is complicated because, you know, there's plenty of reason for Shozo to have doubt about his boss at this point. Yeah. You know, even after that scene where Yamamoro ditches him with the bill, <laughs> the, there's another guy there who was like, this is ridiculous. Like, this guy is, t you know, we should join Sakai instead of killing him. You know, and like he's going to be running things before long. It's only a matter of time. And this guy is a worthless, you know, leftover from a bygone era, basically. Now, you know, at that, you know, Shozo is still kind of sticking on to the old loyalty. And um, he does go to see Sakai. And uh, I mean, I thought it was kind of funny, but also kind of interesting when there's that moment where, I mean, they're just talking, but obviously, you know, Sakai's no idiot. He certainly has to wonder why Shozo's there. And like right. Shozo reaches for the lighter in his pocket yeah. and Sakai like just turns into like a little girl, like is screaming in fear. Is this like worried that he's gonna get killed like right then and there? And um I don't know. I mean it did reveal something about his character a little bit, I guess, although I don't know, you know, not that I would be any different in that moment. Yeah. Um knowing what he knows about Shozo. But um you know, Shozo, again, is still trying to hang on to this thing, and he wants Sakai to rejoin the boss and rebuild this family. And, like, he kind of pits it as saying, you know, otherwise, like, think of all the people that died. Like, why? Why did they die? Uh, what was, you know, Hiroshi and Yano's death for? They were just, just it means nothing. It had died in vain. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't think that's really on the agenda for 
Oh, Sakai, man. Oh, no. He can't do it. Um, uh, let's see. We haven't talked much about Yano, but his death, I don't know. He's just another sort of dude there. He he was with, uh, I think, on Shinkai's side. Right. Um, well, and let's take let's family. take one second and talk about Yano. Okay. I mean, I don't want to fixate the, on a man's looks. He's the best looking dude in this movie. I was going to say. But yeah. Well, exactly. Like there are two or three dudes whose faces, like when they pop up on screen, I know exactly who they are. And mm-hmm. Yano is definitely one of them. Uh, I would describe him as as sort of like the Japanese Luis Guzman of this movie. Like, yeah. Just you know, he was like. He's practically got a. He's almost got a pompadour. Yeah, and he's and got a mustache, like this incredible right. nose, and he's always got like this, these glasses on. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Uh, yeah. yeah, but uh, so Sakai, yeah, he has no plans to to do any of this. He goes to Yamamoro with a sword, tells him that Shozo, uh, told him everything about the fact that Yamamoro wants him dead, and you know hired Shozo to do it, and threatens to kill him if he doesn't retire right then and there. And, uh, you know, it's later mentioned that he's being blackmailed, although I, that was a little unclear to me. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, the boss is still pulling the strings a little bit when Shozo shows up in this office where the boss now is and looks like he's just kind of like a working stooge for uh, Sakai's company. Um, you know, the boss blames Yano's death on Shozo for the fact that he didn't kill Sakai and that this is all his fault, basically. Because if he had just stuck with his loyalty and followed the boss's instructions, none of them would be in this situation. Yeah. And, I, you know, Shozo's extremely conflicted at this point. You know, he says, Sakai may be bad, but you're just as bad. I've had it with you. No more tricks. I'm done. Uh, I'll settle my grudge with Sakai on my own. Just stay away from me. Um, and that does, in fact, in his relationship with... Uh, Yamamori. Mm-hmm. There's a nice little moment where Yamamori, whoever that dude is that's with him, gives him Sakai's address and he writes down and draws this little circle on a map. And we are to understand that that's the exact same handwriting that was on the map that led to Hiroshi's lover's house um, where his, his bro. Oh, right was killed hiding after hiding underneath the quilts with his lover's children. <laughs> um, and I, I totally missed that the first time I watched it. I was like, oh, shit, okay. So, yeah, this is the guy that gave up um, Hiroshi to the cops, basically, which means Yamamori basically gave up Hiroshi to the cops. Uh, so Shozo does go to kill Sakai. He's easily apprehended by all those guys that, Shika- that Sakai has, and Sakai is just chilling on a couch. Um, Shozo's like, uh, sorry, just tell these guys, if you're going to kill me, just do it. I don't care. Uh, otherwise, sorry, I'm going to keep coming to you for you. I'm going to keep pointing a gun at you until the day that you die or I die. Um, Sakai doesn't want anything to do with that. Obviously he wants him to join him. He'll crush Yamamori for good. Um, I think Shozo's had enough at that point. He's like, that's not going to bring back the dead. And Sakai tells him, he's like, if you can't listen, I'll have to kill you. And then we get an interesting scene where they cut to the car and they're riding together and we sort of peel back a little bit of the layers of Sakai and find out that he's basically drinking every night and wishing he could give up this lifestyle and wash his hands of it. 
Um, but then when he wakes up in the morning, it's some great line about he forgets everything that he said at night or thought at night. Yeah. Um, but the end result of all that is that he decides that he'll kill Shozo another day. And I don't know about you. I don't know. I, I can sit here now and say, well, yeah, like, why didn't he kill him? I don't, it does, is that consistent with who he is? It didn't bother me at all in the moment. I, I was just right. like, yeah, okay, like, I guess this dude is sort of like conflicted and doesn't want to, doesn't want to kill Shozo. Maybe still thinks that he can, you know, sway him at some point. But instead of letting Shozo out of the car, which is what I thought was going to happen, Sakai gets out of the car by himself, goes walking down the street into a market. He goes into like an open-air toy store of some kind. I was looking at a doll for his daughter. And sure enough, we've seen two guys follow him in there. And it's only a matter of time. Uh, he takes some bullets in the body, Craig. He gets his obituary Lots of body on bullets. the screen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and... I don't know. Is that one of the moments where you find yourself questioning, like, why doesn't he have a gun, or like, you know, exactly? The, yeah, know, kind the, of. The, like, the <laughs> yeah, yeah. It does make me wonder. I mean, you know, it's it's not like he knows so that he'll get killed necessarily. It's not like he's, uh, um, I don't know, resigned himself to a fate. Um, it's it is kind of interesting that it kind of a. Uh, Kind of reminded me of the death of the Godfather of Marlon Brando's Godfather. Yeah. Um, just a little bit, just because there, there are all these things like hanging down. Now, he doesn't get yeah. shot, but like he just kind of collapses in this thing, and uh-huh. uh, you know, when he's running on. with his little anyway. But uh, not that I think that really is is here nor there. But um, but yeah, I mean, it it is interesting that that's true, and and you know, is it just that like. In America and American films, you know, the toughness of a dude is based on like the gun that he has or something. And, you know, in Japan, it's just not the same. Like, I, I don't know. Like, why, why isn't every single one of those dudes strapped by I'm, 1956? Yeah. Or it is? I mean, it may play again into the thing you were talking about with these guys just not being like that smart in some regard. Like, they're not thinking enough about their own sort of, uh, uh, mortality and, and maybe there's a level of just like cocky you know invincibility um to this guy although i don't sure. know it's, it's interesting because it, it, it comes on the hills again of a, a scene where he's shown himself to be sort of emotionally vulnerable um yeah, yeah. i don't know you know it, it's uh it, it again it didn't bother me but it is it is sort of it is the final death in this movie and it is kind of like what you're saying like it's like watching the godfather die and that in and of itself is super fascinating because, again, this is a character who's only shown up for, like, really the last half hour, 40 yeah. minutes of this movie. Um, you know, he was not very present in the first half of this thing. Um, and he, he certainly is at the end. And that, again, is, like, structurally, it's just kind of wild um, compared to, like, what we're used to. Um, it is. Well, and, and we're also not used to things moving this fast. You know, it, it is no kind of like if you took something like The Godfather cut out all the quote unquote boring parts. Like that's kind of what this would be. It's just, it's just yeah. retribution, 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 make a move retribution. And, and so like it, with that kind of a pace of a movie, you it's, it's hard to understand why any character wouldn't feel like their life was under threat at all times. Absolutely. It's like, it's like somebody's dying every two minutes around you. Like, why would mm-hmm. you not have a gun? 
but of course in the actual time of the movie it's it's much more spaced out i i, I yeah. gotta watch it again to kind of get a sense of that because it does happen right. over like a lot of years it does but yeah you're absolutely right i mean that the deaths feel like they come fast and furious um but yeah so also interesting you know and i think this kind of maybe plays into like that friedkin quote uh you know, our last scene of the movie is Tetsuya Sakai's funeral. And yeah, Yamamori is there. And he gets, away, like, but at the end of this movie, he is not dead. Um, yeah. Our hero, Shozo, rolls in, uh, <laughs> breaks out his pistol, and shoots up the display of the casket, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Freaking everybody out. Like, what the hell are you doing? Was and, it uh, clear to you, I rewound, was it clear to you when you watched that the first time? what exactly he was shooting. I'm still not sure. I don't know oh. exactly what those are. Do you? Well, well, yeah, to me it was, these were basically the cards, like basically your bouquet cards, like saying, hey, okay. this family yeah. gave you this and this family gave you that. Okay. And as that far as sense. I could yeah. tell, like he shot up all those things just to say, you know, fuck all you guys. Yeah. Like, you're all full of shit. You were all enemies of his and that's why uh -huh. he's dead. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of fascinating. And I, I think it's a must-see uh, if you're into these kind of gangster stories at all, I felt like it, on the one hand, it's familiar enough to be satisfying, I think, as far as what you kind of want from the genre, if you will. Yeah. On the other hand, I've never seen a version of it like this before. And that's like, that's all I can ask for. And again, just like for a movie from the 70s, like, you know, when you think about the American movies of the 70s and like, yeah. All those like vaulted movies, as great as they are, man, I'm I'm hard pressed to think of one that moves at this pace, you know. And I'm well, sure yeah, it's I mean, a, that's, a million, but like, you're absolutely right. And I mean, yeah, thinking about this, this came out in 1973. Yeah, and you you know, like a lot of people will credit MTV with kind of speeding up the way people kind of take in stories and information. Yeah, this was already there by far. I mean, yeah, I I can't imagine like if 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 there is truth to that, really, like. And all these different threads and everything, like, uh, how hard was it to take in yeah. at the time? Yeah. Um, because, yeah, like, I feel like I feel seasoned in, like, you're, you're talking about Game of Thrones, absolutely, Sopranos, like, all these things that have, like, tons of tons of threads. But even with that, it's really hard to keep up with. Yeah, they're not happening um, in, in 99 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. Um, yeah. Well, speaking of those threads, do continue as we mentioned the, and I have the titles here because I know we you mentioned some of them in the tee up, but I've got the order of the films uh, that follow this, and so this Yakuza Papers sort of set of original five movies here goes: Battles Without Honor and Humanity, Deadly Fight in Hiroshima, Proxy War, Police Tactics, our favorite title, yes. and Final Episode, and then. I believe Fukusaku did a trilogy afterwards, or it was at least behind some of it, that is the new battles without honor and humanity. And those came out a bit later. Wow. So there's a lot of movies there, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot to I watch. mean, between 73 and 76, there's that's like... crazy, yeah. I yeah, mean, that's in a short amount of time. Completely nuts. Yeah, and again, I don't believe they are direct sequels. I think they take on some new stories for sure, but a lot of the same actors appear, which... I think will be nice now because some of the, some of these faces have stuck with me and you know as hard as it was to kind of keep up with everybody uh, throughout this one maybe it'll be a little bit easier 
in some of the sequels. Uh, perhaps, maybe not. Yeah. Don't know. I mean, if Shozo doesn't have his buzz cut, I'll be completely lost again. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. Where is he? <laughs> yeah, Bring if Yano's pompadour is gone, we'll, yeah. be, oof, we'll be dead out of luck. Uh, well, anything else, Craig, that we didn't talk? I mean, any little moments or anything like that we should uh, mention before we say goodbye? I I can't say that there is. I think we uh, covered as much as we can possibly cover at this yeah, point. Yeah, I know, and and I I feel like there's so much more to this movie that we didn't get across too. But this it's just like figuring out those sort of like moments of of families betraying one another and then all those yeah. little plot details um, that will take a couple more viewings on my part at least before I could do that. Oh, uh, sure. But hey. Go to Amazon Prime. All these things are up right now. I don't know how long they'll be there, but uh, I think they're going to be a lot of fun if you're not familiar with them. And any last words, Craig, in Japanese or English? Uh, I think the takeaway from all of this, Sean, is uh, don't be a palanquin. Or, I mean, if you do, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's smart. So it's not really words of wisdom. I've left you with nothing. But, well, maybe yeah. it's like if you're gonna be a palanquin, do it intentionally. Yeah, there you go. That's right? good. Okay. That's really good. Yeah. Cool. We'll see you next time, everybody. New tea up coming at you next week.